Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kiwi. Hello. Today we're going to be playing Commands and Colors Ancients, designed by Richard Borg of Memoir 44, Battle Lorg, um, Commands and Colors, Napoleonics. The artist is Roger B. McGowan. Uh, he does a lot of the GMT game art, and it was published in 2006 by GMT Game. The description, Commands and Colors Ancients, allows you to refight epic battles of the ancient world. Here, the focus is on two rivals for power in the Western Mediterranean, Carthage and Rome. Will you, as Hannibal, triumph over larger Roman armies, or as Scorpio Africanus, will you beat Hannibal with newer tactics of your own? The mechanics are campaign, battle card driven, command cards, dice rolling, hand management, hex gun grid, modular board, scenario mission campaign game, and simulation. And the box art, um, it's like um, a GMT game. Yeah, it's, I don't even know how you would describe an art style like that. Like an it's 80s like a cl- board game is what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, 80s board game and then like a collage. You've got yeah. like... And a war elephant and some marching, uh, probably Carthaginians. Like, yeah, Carthaginians. Right. And then you've got some cavalry, and then you got some Romans on the left. You got a Roman general. I'm assuming and Hannibal. Scorpio in the middle. Scorpio. Yeah, that makes more sense. And then you've got the 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 Roman eagle. Yep. Up in the top left. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, definitely and then a, the a giant, GMT. Uh, red block of text at the top and bottom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, would I pull it off the shelf or would you pull it off? Would, would any of us really pull it off the shelf? Yeah. Um, n- no. Um, I've seen it. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think you would. Uh, I've seen it in the past. I'm always curious and more so in the last couple of years just because of my job, like how different war games go about like doing it, you know, whether it's simulation style or more uh, like less simulation, more gamey style. So it's always, I'm always interested. I, that being said, I'm not super interested in ancient battles, nor would this uh, box art jump out See, at I'm, me. I'm probably so. more the opposite. I'm a little bit more interested in maybe ancient warfare than modern. Um, but to be fair, I thought this game was medieval, so I was completely wrong. <laughs> oh, well, so there is a version, <laughs> Commands and Colors, medieval, I think. And there's also a Napoleonic one as well. Um, so th- those kind of interests me more than modern but um i mean just the box art and the fact that i know that this is gonna i mean did design memoir 44 which was uh pretty pretty fun more board gamey than war gamey i would say uh absolutely i definitely get the impression this is more war gamey than board gamey so okay uh (sighs) so with that how do you think it's played well um I mean, I think it's it's one v one, so we're gonna have different sides. I think it's gonna be hex board, um, and I think actually, I think it'll be a lot like Memoir Forty Four because I think we'll have cards that say, you know, elephant charge and um, Roman charge, stabby, <laughs> uh, you know, your standards. So, like Twilight Struggle is probably the most famous example of a card driven uh, game. I mean, I don't don't know. There's going to be much more to it that we're going to have different units. Uh, You're going to have your elephants and your uh, your spear people and your um, spear people. 
shooty bow people. Uh, yeah, yep. I think spear throwing people. Plus spears. I think, yeah. I think. I think I think you've nailed it. Uh, really, it's going to come down to who has the fancier headdress. I feel like how these ancient battles were decided. I think. Yeah, it was mostly like uh, peacocks or birds, kind of just kind of preening at each other. History of peacocks. <laughs> that would have been a good one. <laughs> uh, no, so I'm going to talk about the uh, the Majerta River, which is located in northern Africa and flows from the Atlas Mountains in Algeria, and then throws through flows through Tunis before entering the Mediterranean Sea just north of Tunis. Uh, it's 450 kilometers long, and it's the longest river in Tunisia, and it's known classically as Bagrata. Now, why am I bringing this up? Well, there have been at least five known battles uh, of the Bagratis River. Um, four of them happened before the Common Era, and then one, uh, the most recent one, was in 536 during the Berber Wars and was fought between the Byzantines and, the rebe- and a bunch of rebels. Um, and the Byzantines won, but they were too small to like chase down and, and destroy the, the rebels. Then before that, we had one in 49 BCE during Caesar's Civil War uh, and the Romans and the Pompeian Republicans. I'm going to have to go back and look at this. I didn't realize that Pompey had a bunch of Republicans that then fought Julius Caesar. Well, I, I think it would um, be pa- so the Civil War was Caesar versus uh, Pompey. Oh, Pompey. OK, yeah. that would make Not more sense. Pompey, the location. Which maybe was named yeah. after? I don't know. That seems like a field. I mean, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought like Pompeii had some sort of like, so maybe maybe the, the volcano was an inside job. Um, yeah, so, but uh, the Romans actually suffered a crushing defeat to the uh, Pompeian rebe- Republicans during that battle. And then before that, we had uh, in 203 BCE during the Second Punic Wars, the Carthaginians suffered a heavy defeat to the Romans there. And then in 240 BCE, the Carthaginians successfully put down a rebel uprising that had started years before during the First Punic War. And so the scenario we're going to play today is actually set during the First Punic War, during uh, the first battle of the Pergratus River. Um, so... At this point, we're nine years into the Punic Wars. The Roman Navy has just established naval superiority over Carthage uh, after some sea victories. And the Roman general Marcus Attilius Regulus, uh, and along with uh, 15,500 Romans, uh, were left uh, in Tunis, or at this point, Carthage, uh, to maintain a lodgment over the winter, expecting that they would just kind of stay there before doing anything, because uh, the fleet had to go back to Sicily. But Regulus uh, decided that he was going to advance, so he took the city of Carthage after the Battle of Ads, and then followed up by taking Tunis, and the Carthaginians kind of freaked out and sued for peace. Uh, but whatever terms that Regulus had proposed. The Carthaginians were like, screw this, we're going to continue fighting because those terms suck. Um, Then they also got a Spartan mercenary general named Xanthippus, uh, and he took over the army of Carthage, and he led the army with a strong cavalry and elephants against the Romans, uh, which mostly had just an infantry-based army. The Romans had absolutely no response to the elephants, and they were crushed. So of the 15,500 Roman soldiers, 13,000 were killed, and another 500 were captured along with Regulus himself. Uh, And then the the war would go on for another 14 years, uh, and then eventually they would come to peace agreements, but those terms were far better than what Regulus had proposed before that. And most of those battles actually were fought at sea. There weren't many more fought uh, on the land in Carthage. Um, 
And this is all speculation because we don't have a lot of surviving primary sources. The main source for this is actually the historian Polybius, who is, wasn't born until 50 years after this battle. And the information about the battle come from a work that he did called The Histories. So he was, a, uh, he was Greek and he was actually sent to Rome as a, uh, a hostage. And so he did a lot of his stuff there while he was a hostage for the, for the, for Rome. Um, and so he wrote that, that work in 167 BCE. So 90 years after the battle, but, uh, modern day historians generally held that his account is reliable. And this is based on corroboration from other sources, uh, such as inscriptions, coins, and other archeological evidence to suggest that, uh, he actually did a pretty good job, uh, writing the history. So, uh, that gives us some historical context to our battle today. Do you know the story of Regulus's death? No. He was captured by the Carthaginians. And okay. when he went to give these peace offerings, he went. But they hear like, hey, but you got to come back so we can execute you. And so he left and he went to Rome and he gave them the peace talks. And then everyone's like, you're not going back, are you? He's like, no, I must go back and fulfill the, fulfill the agreement. And he went back to be executed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it. That reminds me of like the, like in the civil war where they like during uh, the prisoners, they would get like um, paroled and they basically say like, okay, you can go home, but you can't join the army again. It, it just seems wild to me. I mean, that is kind of like, yeah, I really don't want to go back war so I would have, yeah going back to your own execution seems a bit uh maybe just a poor decision to to be honorable with yeah well i mean i feel like honor back then was a lot a no because even lot at of the time people were like you're fucking nuts oh really yeah, all the other romans were like you're not why are you? no <laughs> so <laughs> that's Okay, so how we play. So we are going to take the roles of leaders of either Rome or Carthage, and we're going to fight out uh, various battles of antiquity. Uh, in this case, we're going to fight out fight out the first battle of um, Bagratus. Um, so the scenarios are going to be dictated. They'll dictate terrain, the types of units, and each of our for each of our sides. And then generally speaking, scenarios involve gaining victory points by destroying enemy units. So the scenario will dictate who goes first. Uh, so in our scenario, Carthage is gonna go first. Uh, and then a player's turn consists of five steps. So the first thing they're gonna do is they're gonna play a command card from their hand. So the board is split into three sections, a left, a right, and a center. The cards will indicate which section or sections where units can receive orders. And it might also dictate like the type. It'll say like, hey, you can do two light units on the left flank. So, uh, and then a unit or a leader that is on the line separating the sections can be considered in either one. So after you play your command card, you're going to play it. You're going to put it down on the table and read it out loud. Uh, then you're going to select the units and leaders that you want to order. So you're going to announce all of them that are you're going to order. Uh, a leader in the same hex as a friendly unit is considered attached, and a unit is not required to perform all the elements of an order, and a unit cannot receive more than one order from a command card. So you could order a unit to move and fight, or it could just fight or just move, um, but you have to be able to order it per the command card. So then after you've designated all the units that you're going to order, you're going to move. So units have different movement rates based on their type. Uh, they're lumped generally into categories of foot, mounted, and leader. And within foot and mounted, there are different units within each of those categories that will move at different rates with and without the ability to battle afterwards. So generally speaking, though, uh, units can't move off the board. 
They cannot occupy or move through a hex with another unit. Uh, units can move into a space with a lone friendly leader, and units cannot be split nor two units joined together. Uh, and then once everybody is moved, then we'll battle. So we'll work through the battles one at a time. Uh, any units that receive orders are able to battle as long as they're within range and close combat. So we have two different ways that we can fight. We have ranged combat and close combat. So for ranged combat, it can't, it, you cannot do ranged combat against a unit in an adjacent hex. And if you have a unit in a, in, if you have a unit that is adjacent, you cannot target a further unit uh, with ranged attack. Basically, you have a bigger threat closer, so that's who you have to attack. Uh, and a target cannot battle back or evade, which they can do in close combat. And then heavy war machines and all light units, except for barbarian chariots, which we don't have to worry about today, are capable of ranged combat. Uh, and then the scenario special rules may designate some additional special rules, uh, but in our case, we don't have that. And then your other option is close combat. So small, some smaller units may attempt to evade prior to combat so they can basically move out of the way. Uh, and if the defending unit has units, has survivors within range for close combat, they can attack back. Uh, units will roll a number of dice based on their type and terrain modifications, and each die phase corresponds to a unit type that will achieve a hit. So like a green circle gets a hit against a green circle unit, which are typically light. Red square versus red square units. Red squares are heavy units. And then banners are going to signify retreats. So for every banner that you roll, you'll have to retreat a unit. Uh, and then swords can hit any unit in close combat, but have no effect for ranged combat. And then finally, once we're done with all the battles, uh, you'll draw a new command card and then play will go to the other side. The scenario is going to dictate how many cards each side can have. Carthage in this for this scenario is going to have six cards and Rome will have four for the duration of the scenario. And then once both sides gain the requisite number of victory points, also called banners, uh, the game is over and that player is declared the winner. So in order to get a banner or a victory point, you have to completely destroy all the elements of a unit. So infantry units uh, will usually have four uh, like blocks associated with it. Cavalry units will have three. And then uh, your larger units like the war machines and the elephants will have two. And then for our scenario, that number is seven. So whoever destroys seven units first is the winner. And those are all the rules. Lodamus. We just finished a game of Commands and Colors Ancients to recap. Uh, I, as the Romans, took out three Carthaginian units, including some elephants, and Kiwi, as Carthage, uh, won with seven, seven victory points, um, yep. mostly thanks to elephants. 100% from elephants. <laughs> yes. Uh, elephant strategy. Uh, yeah, so I tried to like spread your army a little bit by doing the two flanks. Uh, but then those guys started getting murdered and I was like, I need these elephants. So then I moved the elephants up and then I just started crushing you with elephants. Yeah, I don't know that I did anything different. And it kind of also did the outsides with my light cavalry. The middle was kind of hard to move up because they're so slow. So Yeah, really I mean, move. I had units I never even moved. So, yeah, I think that was probably smart because 
knowing kind of the way the victory points work, I feel like you kind of just ignore them and try to get here. Yeah. Plus the units I didn't move were, uh, they only moved one space at a time, right. basically. Yep. So it would have taken me forever to yeah, get which them Which is what I was forward. doing. And it, I think I lost a few turns of just moving guys up, which was turns I wasn't killing your units. Yeah. <laughs> killing elephants. Well, not even that, but like getting the early uh, late, late kills would have been better. Yeah. Theme, did it feel like um, you were battling uh, the Punic Wars? I don't know about the Punic Wars. And I don't know, like, thematic, like, I think it's inter- like thematically, it's interesting, right? Because I know that there's commands and colors, Napoleonics and medieval. And, you know, this is essentially Memoir 44. So we've played a World War II theme of this. So I, I think thematically, you know, it's just some cubes and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's elements like, you know, the, the elephant rampaging and, you know, elephants just being generally hard to kill. But I feel that, like I kind of still, because I think at one point you mentioned like the horses act like tanks. And so I was just picturing yeah, horse exactly. tanks. Yep. And that's kind yep. of what your your elephants were just heavy tanks. Yep. So yeah, I don't yeah. know that it really, I guess it's a little bit more uh, melee focused. Yeah, but I think thematically, the fact that there are three different for four different wars, essentially using this same exact system, system, you know, with with some minor changes to like, you know, the there isn't anything that does an elephant rampage in Memoir 44. Although, you know, (laughs) a bunch of panzers going on an elephant rampage would be pretty great. Uh, Yeah. Table presence. uh, Would this jump out at you at a. I I don't think it would. I think, you know, we played a scenario that didn't even have terrain. So it was just a big open map. Um, and then it's just cubes on a map. So, you know, something like Memoir 44, where you actually have like, you know, the tanks in Memoir 44 are like, no joke, Sherman tanks and Panzer threes. Like they're, they are, you know, modeled to be real assets. Whereas this one is just blocks. So I think it'd and be it for- kind of a thing. Like if, if you like war games, it might jump out at you, but I don't think for most other people it yeah, and like the blocks when I because when I first read the rules, I was like, oh, this might be interesting because there might be some fog of war. But the stickers for the blocks go on both sides, so you still get to see oh, yeah. everything. And like all the pictures I saw on the internet, they basically had them laid on their side, so the pictures were just face up, so that it was easier to see for everybody. Yeah. So you know that fog of war element that I thought was, oh, this might be a little bit different than Memoir Forty Four. Um, cause there's different sides, like the elephant cubes are larger than the light infantry cubes. So like, I would know like, okay, that's four small cubes together. It's a foot unit or it's three cubes together. It's a cavalry unit, but I wouldn't know what type if it was hidden, but nothing is hidden because the stickers are on both sides. Yep. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Um, now would it change your opinion if you had a long stick and you were moving the blocks around? Uh, any war game where I had a long stick and could move blocks around would change my opinion <laughs> dramatically. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. One one day, one day. Uh, mechanics. Uh, anything that stood out at you other than it's more forty four with elephants. Um, no, I I do really enjoy the card driven thing. I think um, I think one of your complaints usually, and I think you might voice it again here is. If you get really bad luck with bad cards, you can end up with not great choices Um, and you can end up stuck while, you know, one of your flanks gets rolled up because you don't draw any of those cards. I don't know. It's luck necessarily. I think my complaint is I just got the boring stuff. Like I almost all of mine were like move to left, move to right. 
move to center. And I thought like you had like, you know, mounted charge. And my complaint would be that most of the cards are kind of boring. There's a few interesting ones. And if you don't draw the few interesting ones, the other player does It's kind of like, oh, man, that's so much. Yeah. Uh, So I guess that would be solved by having it would probably be more board game and less like, you know, uh, war gamey, but having just more interesting cards. So you could right. do cool stuff, I guess. I felt like I couldn't do anything cool. It's kind of just straightforward. Which I think is interesting because I feel like in Memoir 44, there are a lot more of those cards. That's what I kind of thought I remember, standard, but yeah. it's been a while. Uh, I mean, then you, I think the thing is here, you have both the card luck and then you're also going to have dice luck, which I'm generally yep. bad at. Um, but I, I'm fine with that because it's war game. You have to have randomness. And I did appreciate that there were some ways to mitigate some of it. You know, you could mitigate because I feel like the banners, there was no way to mitigate banners in Memoir 44. Like when you got a banner, you had to retreat. Whereas this, you know, if you attach a leader, you can negate a banner. If you have support, you can negate a banner. Which encourages you to make clumps of things, which makes sense. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I I think my other kind of complaint would be it was kind of weird that like, you have the same chance of of success like with light as you do with heavy like attacking them yeah like defense wise there really was no advantage to your unit types um i don't know then then that kind of with the whole like the way you're just first to seven like i said i kind of feel like i should just focused on doing as much killing as possible with the, the light rather than trying to move up the heavier stuff because the yeah, heavier stuff so. died just as quick as uh you know uh, the the heavy infantry in combat with the elephant worked the same as the light infantry so. yeah and I, I feel like maybe there should have been because like the elephant was interesting because you know based on the type of unit it was fighting mm-hmm. that dictated how many dice it could roll i feel like you know if a circle unit is attacking a triangle unit you subtract one if it's attacking a heavy unit, you subtract two. You, know, you yeah. always get to roll at least one. You know, something that could mitigate and make it so that like you didn't want to fight a heavy unit with a single light unit. You either wanted to like gang up with multiple light units or attack it with other heavy units. I think would add a little bit more like tactical inter- interestingness almost and make it so that you had to work together more. Right which I think you don't get in a game like Memoir 44. You do get it a little bit in a game like this because of the support aspect and the leader aspect. But I feel like they could have. And I think the only thing that that would be annoying is, you know, it would take a little bit more effort to figure out, okay, how many dice am I supposed to roll? Yeah. Rules. Uh, I mean, from learning the game, it wasn't too difficult because, again, it's kind of Memoir 44, which is pretty straightforward for a board game. For a war yep. game, it's pretty easy to, to pick up. Probably use a friendly, like, quick reference card. We had uh, kind of some made up on the simulator, and we had a PDF, but feels like in person it would be kind of a pain. And even those yeah, quick so. references aren't super quick. Rulebook, uh, you were in it a bit. But. Yeah, I was in it a bit, but I think stuff was generally easy to find. Um, it is a bit more complicated than Memoir 44. Like, the base system is all the same, but there were a lot of little nuances um, that were different from Memoir 44 um, that took it a little bit more, I think. Um, but for the most part, like I think once we read it out loud, uh, we didn't really have any questions. There was the one where I think you just heard something different than what I said out loud. 
But once we reread it, we were both like, okay, yep, no, it we was, got it. It was worded a little weird. I heard it as you read it, but I just misinterpreted it based on that. But I think in general, like once once I read it out loud, we both were pretty quick to come to yeah. an agreement on, okay, this is what it means. Player interaction, I mean, yes. Yeah. One verse one. Big thing is you can't quite maybe predict what they might be doing because you don't know what cards they draw. Which compared yeah. to like something like Undaunted, I feel like you could guess a bit more because you kind of know generally what they're going to have available. Yeah. True. Um, which I think is for a war game, it's kind of good to have that where you're trying to also predict your opponent. Um, but you can't quite do that as much. In this one. Uh, anything on interaction? No, I think you hit it. Yeah. Uh, would you play it again? Uh, I think yes. I, I really do like at the base core of it. I like the system that Memoir 44 and Commands and Colors kind of brings in. I don't know if I want to play Ancients again. I think if I was going to continue within the Commands and Colors line, I would want to play you know, Napoleonics and Medieval just to see, you know, because there was enough of a change from Memoir 44 where I, you know, it's a, you know, it can be a different game. So like, what does Napoleonics add in to make it different from those two? What does Medieval add in to make it different than these other three? You know, I'd be interested to see that, but I don't know if I need to play Ancients again. Uh, Yeah. Um, I don't remember if I said I'd play Memoir 44 again. I think we didn't actually play it on the podcast because I went back to go see. I think it was just <laughs> no. me and you playing okay. it before we did the podcast. Um, I But I guess like I, I'm sure I said in Undaunted that I'd rather play that because it just feels a bit more like a game. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I, I like a game where I can maybe have more interesting cards to do interesting stuff instead of just very much. I, I'm a no. Uh, I would definitely agree in terms of like I don't think nothing about the ancients jumps out at me. Like I guess you might get chariots, but it seems like it's kind of play what you're going to get. Um, something like Napoleonic would be interesting because I'm sure then you have like artillery and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm a no. That's Commands and Colors Ancient. So if you have any recommendations of games you'd like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do it via email at firstturntabletop at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at the First Turn Cast. And the podcasting Sam Camel says as he's running away from an elephant, uh, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. Camel is distinctly in the rules a disadvantage against uh, the elephant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>